Nope, we don't need to speed up the process. We don't need to nuke this. You know why? Because this is the non-microwave truth. This is the little man that could, the little man that would, C.L. Whiteside. And this is brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming up. Don't y'all hurt yourselves eating too much. Y'all better slow down. Moderation is okay. You don't have to overeat. First world problem today. First world problem question is this. What do you think is the most unique conversation that Jesus had in the Bible? Because we're going to talk a ton about conversations and dialogue between us human beings. What do you think is the most unique conversation that Jesus had in the Bible? Now, I'm going to give you a few that popped up in my mind. John chapter 3. This is when Jesus teaches Nicodemus. And I thought this was so unique and interesting because Jesus was teaching a Pharisee. Usually when we hear about Pharisees in the Bible, it's some type of drama. They usually hating on Jesus. They usually are being the opposite of a good follower. But Nicodemus was actually learning from Jesus. He realized that Jesus was, was sent from God. And Jesus said, he said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus is like, hold up, wait a minute. I'm old. How can I be born again? And Jesus kind of breaks that down to him. I thought that was super unique. Another example, Matthew chapter four, Jesus tested in the wilderness and he's having that conversation. He's having dialogue, I should say, with Satan. And he's even quoting certain scripture. And you know how Satan was manipulating scripture. And like, just go ahead and jump. The Lord said it's going to save you. And like, bro, don't put your Lord to the test. I thought that was a unique conversation, especially um, how Jesus quoted the Bible. He quoted stuff in the Old Testament. Um, but something else that came to mind was Matthew chapter 16 with his disciples. And he was like, you know, who do y'all say I am? Like, I know what everybody else is saying. He's some great prophet. He's John the Baptist back from the dead. But who do you say I am? And I just thought those were a few unique conversations. But tell me what you think. I want to hear from you. Because we're going to talk a ton about conversations and we're going to study a couple conversations that Jesus has had. Instagram, Twitter, my handle is championlife 23 If you're on TikTok, drop it in the comments. YouTube, drop it in the comments. If you're on Instagram, go ahead and DM me and tell me what you think. And this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode is Improve Your Conversation the Jesus Way. And we're going to have to take a trip down memory lane. I'm going back to my college days. And I remember an assignment that I got in college. And I know one of my friends, Erica, she remembers it too. Because this was a game-changing assignment. You know how like a lot of times teachers and professors give you work, they give you assignments. you like, dude, I am never going to use this in life. Or you're like, man, you really just gave me busy bee work. But I know she remembers and I definitely remember this because we started analyzing and looking at conversations completely different. So what the what our professor did is they gave us an assignment and the assignment was to read a book called The Pursuit of Attention by Charles Derber. And the entire book is based on the individualism of communication and looks at the power of people's responses and talks about, you know, how do you have a healthy conversation? How do you have a conversation that is ongoing? How do you have a conversation that both people can be engaged in? And man, I, it was definitely it was definitely one of those assignments that stuck with me because it had you analyze and look at people's conversations and notice how much people are trying to pursue attention when, when talking and how some people just can't help themselves to try to put the attention on them. 
And in this book, there were two types of responses that you can give that it talked about. The first response is called a support response. That means you are acknowledging what the person is saying. You ask questions, you ask for more information based off the statement that they just said, or you're even like complimenting, you know, it can be something as a head nod. It can be something to say, yeah, okay, I hear you. It could be asking for for clarification. It could be asking a question based off of what they just said. That would be a support response. The second type of response it talked about is called a shift response. And a shift response would kind of do the the opposite. It would... uh, it would not even acknowledge what the person said. It might try to put the, the attention on, on them or a person would sometimes give their own personal experience or own personal opinion. And it's kind of taking the attention off what the person just said and kind of putting it on themselves. So that was a shift response. So we got a support response and we have a shift response. Now, in healthy conversations, I remember healthy conversations actually do both of these. They do some supporting and they do some shifting, but you know what they definitely have to do. They definitely have to do some supporting. It can't just be shifting, 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 shifting left and right. And I thought this was an appropriate time to talk about this because Thanksgiving, you could actually sit there and analyze a conversation and be like, dang, uncle is a big time shifter or man, little cousin does a great job of supporting the conversation. Like, I just want you to notice that in some conversations that you have and see if you can actually notice that about yourself and just observe like who's shifting, who who is supporting. Now, the first thing I want to point out about that supporting thing and having a conversation with anybody, especially us as Christians, is most people breaking news. They want to be listened to. They want to feel like they are, are heard. Why? Because that helps them feel important. That helps them feel love. That helps them feel value. That helps them feel like you are actually giving them attention when you show support and give a support response when they're talking. Now, second thing I want to point out is check out when people shift and when you personally shift conversations and why do you do it? So check when you shift, check when you change the topic, check when you give your own opinions, check when you give your own experience, check why you do that. Now, the paper I did, I remember the people going back and forth and all they did was shift, shift, shift. Like one person tell a story, another person tell a story. It was kind of like I'm going to one up you. And that's not what we necessarily want to do. That's not necessarily the, the healthiest conversation. And that can be a major turnoff when you are constantly shifting from what someone just said. But here's something that I realized. People can get away with shifting, especially if they are a super good storyteller. Or they're super funny. Like people don't mind if someone shifts away. That I don't want it always to be done. But those type of people usually can can get away with it. Now, why do we want to have, why do we want to be conscious of our our conversation? And on this episode of Improve Your Conversation to Jesus Way, we're definitely going to talk about that. All right. First thing I want to look at on why we want to be conscious of that reason comes from Ephesians 4 verse 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit benefit those who listen according to their needs. It's hard to know what someone needs if you're really not listening or if you don't show any support in that type of conversation. Now, the crazy thing that we do from time to time, we support some hot garbage type conversations like, oh, give me the tea. Tell me what happened. Or, you know, you're like, bro, what happened? You tell me what happened. I need to know. You know, 
I think we need to have more looks uh, of smiles and nods for things that are good. We often do that with hot garbage. We're like, oh, what? What? Like how much do our facial expressions change when we are hearing hot garbage and we want to continue to hear it? And we're so intrigued by that. Why do we want to do it a certain way, though? Colossians 4 verse 6 tells us, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So that's talking about having God-pleasing conversations. And something that I do find is super um, cool, very, very cool, and this is an awesome time to shift, is when somebody's like, hold up, new topic. Okay, new topic. I, I, I don't want to hear about this anymore. And I just want you to think about this personally. Do you shift away when conversations have hot garbage? Do you shift away enough when conversations are full of hot garbage? I know I'm guilty sometimes. Sometimes you just sitting there like, what happened? Hmm? Huh? I can't. But no, some, we, sometimes we just got to shift away from that. We definitely have to shift away from that. Now, we got to look at Jesus, though. We have to look at Jesus. And this is how we can improve our conversations the Jesus way. OK, it deals with the art of questions, the art of questions. Jesus was the question master. He was awesome at asking questions. And I'm just going to give you some different types of questions that Jesus has asked in the Bible. When you look at it, a lot of times, I don't want to say half the time, but half the time he's asking questions. I'm, I Don't quote me on that. It is literally half the times, but a good amount of times Jesus is asking questions and he's asking the right questions. And I want you to think about this. Do you ask the right questions? Because there's a skill in asking questions. And I'm just going to break down a couple of these. Look at Matthew chapter nine, verse five. This is when Jesus forgives and he heals a paralyzed man. And he's accused of lying by by his haters. And Jesus asked this question, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walked, get up and walk. This question right there is an intriguing type of question where he's like, I want to hear your response. I'm intrigued by how you can respond to this because you want me to you. You want to act like because I said his sins are forgiven and I said, get up and walk that I did something wrong. It doesn't matter what day it is. But that was an intrigue type question that we can learn from that. OK, another type of question that he did. Matthew, chapter 16, verse 15. But what about you? Who do you say I am? This is when he's talking to his disciples and he's like, but hey, who do you say I am? This is one of those things I would call an open ended question, an open ended question where you can let people talk because, you know, what most people want to do. They want to talk, but you don't pigeonhole them into a response or to an answer. You actually can hear their thoughts. You actually can hear what they're thinking or, or what they're feeling by that. Um, Mark, chapter eight, verse thirty six. He says this. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? yet forfeit their soul. And I look at this, this is like that challenging type of question to let people discover like there's there's wrong and sometimes there isn't another side and sometimes there is another side. But that was a challenging question right there. Mark, Matthew chapter seven, verse four, another great question. This is what I would call like a how and, and why type of question. Because most of the time people will share with you the how or the why if you ask. Sometimes we just got to ask. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? This is a how and a why type of question. So as Christians, we can definitely ask how and we can definitely ask why more often to get people to open up, to get people to talk. Now, we're going to look at John chapter four 
And this is when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to jump a couple verses ahead, John chapter four. And we're just going to break down this conversation. Look at the support that Jesus shows. Look at the support that the woman shows. But then also look at the times that, that some shifting has happened. And, and why did that shift happen? So that you can understand like how to analyze, how to break down a conversation. And also how to check yourself and, and kind of analyze how you usually have conversations. John chapter four, verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria. That's Jesus. So he came down. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground. Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired as he was from the journey. He sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And the first thing I want to say is like Jesus gives the time of day to this woman. And, and as Christians, we can give the time of day to the people that don't expect it or to the unlikely because we know God's love. We, we have God's love. And this is what Jesus does. He gives it to a woman who did not expect to be talking to. And, and a lot of biblical scholars have guessed that if she's at going to the well at noontime, she wasn't trying to see anybody else. She was trying to go in the heat of the day to get some water when most people would do that earlier in the day. So she probably didn't have a good relationship with her community. So she probably like, what, what are you talking to me? Oh, okay. She didn't expect that. And that's something Jesus knew. And we also see that there's some completely different cultural differences, but Jesus made time for her and we can make time for people as well. And I want to look at that part of, will you give me a drink? That's like a common ground question. A lot of times we can find common ground with people. We definitely can find common ground. We all sinners in that regard. But Jesus, this is where I say why I say he is the question master. And this is not one of those questions. And a lot of times Jesus doesn't would never Jesus ask those questions like he wasn't listening. A lot of times we ask questions just because we weren't listening. We weren't paying attention. Maybe you're on your phone, but allowing people and speaking to people and asking questions based off of them and what we have observed or what they have told us. It goes on to say, the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because for Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. Now, when I look at that, you might think it's shifting, but really it's acknowledging and complimenting what was said when she asked that question or when she says you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. She she understands like, hold up, wait, wait a minute. So she understands that she, she is being talked to. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now that gift of God, this is challenging and asking, where is your attention? I look at that at like, where is your attention with, with that question you asked? And I want you to think about this. Do you challenge where people's attentions are enough? Do you challenge where people's attention are enough? Like, do you challenge that? A lot of times um, our attention is on superficial things. It's on surface level things. It's often on things that don't really matter, but we put a lot into it. She goes on to say, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Now, she starts asking questions. 
she starts asking questions because she's actually listening to what he's saying and she becomes intrigued. And when you actually listen to people, there'll be times where you are intrigued and it will naturally flow to ask questions. But you know what that takes? That actually takes some listening. Definitely takes some listening. Now, we have different people that we have different backgrounds with, but it takes some listening. And sometimes we can find blessings and we can find beauty in having those different backgrounds. Jesus answered her. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them become indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't go thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So some would say right here that the attention that he shifted it to was on him. And I would say the attention is on Jesus. And that is because Jesus is what's best and he's what's most important. So there's a time to shift some time and to put it on what's best and what's most important. And in this case, it was Jesus, our, our savior. Now, listen to this. Verse 16. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Now, this is a good usage of a shift right here because he wants the attention to be focused elsewhere. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, if you notice, the conversation is all of a sudden deep. The conversation is all of a sudden personal. But first, what happened before it got deep and it got personal? Jesus saw her as a person and he gave her the time of day and he listened. That's the first thing that happened. Now, you, you see, it starts with a question and then it starts with him keeping it 100. Keep giving her the, the truth, the non-microwave truth. And I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid to share what God reveals to you. Don't be afraid to share what God reveals to you. Now, it goes on to say this. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, something I just want to point out with this, with deep conversations, it's so important and it's so awesome for us. And we got to realize we have the opportunities with deep conversations, bring it back to the gospel and bring it back to the good news. So what does Jesus bring it back to? He brings it back to the fact that like, all right, God is a spirit. His worshipers worship him in, in spirit and truth. And then he's revealing to her, like, you know what the good news is? You know what the gospel is? Listen to what he says. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am the Messiah. So Jesus tells her the good news. He tells her, tells her the gospel. And that's something that we oftentimes overlook. We miss those opportunities to bring it back to the gospel, bring it back to the good news, bring the attention and the focus back to our Savior, our Christ, and share with people what he has done and get people to, to focus on the right thing. Because a lot of times what we focus on, we focus on our problems. We focus on the things that are, are wrong. But one of the best times to do that and shift is shifting to 
get the attention on Christ. So there are four things I'm going to leave you with on this episode of improve your conversation to Jesus way. The first one is this part of loving people, part of loving people is to show support because that makes people feel heard. And when you make people feel heard, you make people feel loved. That opens so many doors because so many people want to have conversations and they just don't necessarily know how to do it. Okay. Second thing, shifting does have to take place from time to time, but be cautious of just shifting and giving your own personal opinion and your own experiences and one one up in people and wanting to seem better. Okay. What we should, what a shift should look like for a Christian is unique or, or, or is different. You know, too many times, like I said, we have our eyes fixed on the problem. We should fix our eyes and we can tell people about God's love. We can tell people about God's mercy. We can tell people about God's grace. And that is something that we always, always want to shift to. We want to, we want to shift to that. All right. The third thing is this perspective. We have to make time to talk. Sometimes I get to moving too fast and sometimes people want to talk. It's like, man, I got to go. I got to go do something else. But Jesus so many times made time to talk. And even when he wanted to get some rest or he wanted to do certain things, he made time to talk and to hear people and and to listen to people. And that's a, a note that we can take for sure. And the power of questions is something we definitely can take away from Jesus and, and work on supporting, supporting through asking questions. Pray about that. Allow the spirit to to dictate the questions that you ask. And sometimes just ask questions. Everything don't have to be perfect. And sometimes we feel like we got to say it the, the perfect way. But that comes as Christians as trusting in the spirit t- to guide us. And also with your support responses, acknowledging what they have said is so important or even complimenting what they're stating. But even with that, it's just like your body language, like turning your body towards them, putting your phone down, not checking it every 10 seconds. Those are great ways to give support responses. And the fourth thing is this shift to make the conversation better and not just to try to make yourself look great. We really need to be humble in that approach and always remember that in our conversation, and especially in the conversations where we can be a light and allow that to to shine for God and people to see God through us in the way we do. The attention that we can have is on the on the gospel. And when you are in doubt, shift it to the gospel. Uh, talk about the gospel. Ask questions based all off the gospel. And when you're at Thanksgiving, check out some conversations, analyze some conversations. More importantly, check yourself and just keep remembering the attention is on the gospel. And this is what Jesus did. And we can definitely improve our conversations the Jesus way when we have that grace, that mercy and that love as our focus. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Improve Your Conversation the Jesus Way. Peace, punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.